Uh, this is David Moffat from the Moffcast, my attempt at podcasting, and I've got a great guest uh, today, a guy I've known for a long time. Uh, he's David Hodges. He uh, He's currently located in Denver, um, where the weather is warming up a little bit, I understand. And um, in the past, he's been a USA Eagle. He has... Um, uh, been with the Clenethley Scarlets for seven years, a board member of USA Rugby, uh, the USA team's general manager, and now was, he's with the, is it the Austin Gilgronis? Welcome. That's correct. Yep. It is? Yeah. Yep. I'm very interested in what's happening in US Rugby, uh, and you know that I've had a, a long interest in what's happening in the United States. And I suppose my interest has been piqued a little bit by what's happening um, with um, Major League Rugby and also the fact that new, uh, USA did not qualify for next year's Rugby World Cup. So yeah. let's deal with that last one first. What, what do you put yeah. that down to? Well, it's yet, right? So they still have another shot. Oh, they do? Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so they're, they're – um, didn't like the last time we went through, we qualified as America's one, which we'd never done, um, beating Can Canada on aggregate. Um, so that was a pretty uh, good feat in that because we've always either been second or lower. So that was a, a, a really good one for us. But this time, yeah, we, we came up against Uruguay um, and lost – in terms of the aggregate, beat them at home, lost away, but on, on the aggregate score, we lost. So, and then they, so the the second shot is to go down to Chile, um, and and play here and away at Chile. So, uh, if they win on aggregate, they'll be through. Oh, good. Okay, so have they played one of the Chilean games yet, or not? No. No, that's this summer. Okay. All right. Well, I, I must apologize to yeah. the USA rugby fraternity because I, <laughs> I read somewhere where you guys hadn't yet qualified. So, um, so that clears that up, which is really good. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it would have been a bit of a surprise that they would have to go through the, the repercharge charge to get there. Yeah. It, it, a bit of a surprise to, um, to drop one to Uruguay. Having said that, a number of years ago when there was a certain captain that you're talking to, um, we had the similar challenge. So, um, yeah, it's not a, a proud moment because you generally think that with um, the might of the U.S. in terms of athletics that we should be doing better. Um, but I think on the other hand, uh, Uruguay is punching above their weight as well to give them some credit. So in order to actually improve um, the standard of um, United States rugby as a whole. Uh, I think a lot of people are putting their faith in major league rugby. Well, and I know and your involvement is, is there. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Do you think that major league rugby can have a positive effect on the national team? I think I think the answer, the short answer is yes, but overall the answer is the benefit of having major league rugby teams is that they need fans and they understand that 
in order to have fans, they need kids playing the game. So by and large, all of the major league rugby teams, and, and we have one in Canada, in Toronto, but all of the, the 12 teams in the U.S., they are all having starting youth programs um, because they're trying to develop fans for their program and also develop homegrown players for their team. So by it's not like a direct link that they're trying to help USA Rugby just for the benefit of it, but on the balance that they're trying to grow the the community rugby game in their area, I think it definitely will because of that. Yeah, and and of course, um, you know, there's a great debate around the world about the fact that professional rugby has left community game behind um, and there's not been enough done in that area and the same goes for here in New Zealand. Um, you'd be interested to know that it's, it's anticipated that within two years, if it's not happened already, that basketball will be a bigger participation sport in New Zealand than rugby. And I don't think anybody would have thought that would be the case. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But I think one of them is that, that the community game everywhere in the world has been left behind by professional rugby. It's interesting because it almost benefits us to not have a mature rugby market um, in that regard, because like you talked about, like we don't have a, a built-in base of fans, so we have to go create it. Yep. And one of the ways is to um, get kids interested in the game so that their parents then come and buy tickets to matches and, and that they end up going through the pipeline and playing high school and college rugby and then matriculating on to the MOR. So it, it develops it's All the teams know they need to develop fans to make their business work, and they need to develop athletes that are homegrown because it's much cheaper to have a player that's homegrown. And, and we have – I mean, our salary caps are minuscule compared to the rest of the world. I mean – in terms of monetary amounts, I mean, we're, most of the teams are fully professional in terms of the time. In terms of monetary amounts, it's somewhat semi-professional. Yeah. So, like to, to so that's really important. If you can have a homegrown player, and you don't have to spend money on visas, and especially now with unknowns in terms of when those visas can happen, you can you can lose out on spending a bunch of money, and the player doesn't even come because yeah. of COVID restrictions and immigration issues so um soccer football soccer in america um they've been um, trying to get a foothold in america some 40 odd years and the soccer moms they they embraced it pretty quickly because that they felt was a safer game for their kids to play but it's also a very simple game to watch and understand to what extent is the the fact that rugby is quite a complicated sport um, I, I'm not saying, and that's, you know, and you had, do have a complicated sport of your own over in America and it's called American <laughs> football, but, yeah. but it's a completely different kettle of fish. I mean, to what extent does rugby's complications sort of get in the way of it growing? Um, yeah, it's a great question. I, I certainly don't know the, if there's a correct answer. I think it, it does a, I guess there's the positive side of rugby growing is that I think it's considered worldwide that in, in, in terms of our game, because we don't have 
helmets and things that we've always had to take the head out of the tackle. And so it's, it's standard standardly recognized that the way we teach the game doesn't necessarily always play out, but the way we teach the game in terms of the contact area uh, around tackling in particular, the, now the ruck and things are a different kettle of fish, but yeah. in terms of the tackle that we teach it in a safer manner than football has in the past. But to be fair, uh, American football has adopted a lot of the, a lot of the coaches have adopted a quote unquote rugby type tackle where they're using their shoulder versus their head. Yeah, well, one would hope, given the incredible amount of um, uh, coverage at the moment in the media about um, head injuries, that that that, that would be the case. And um, I think we've still got a long way to go to talking about head injuries. I just did a podcast, um, you know, with uh, Alex Popham, um, yeah. who who started, uh, um, you know, the that movement along with, with another guy, but um, I believe that you, you've actually got a Jersey there that, uh, that you purchased. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, in general, I believe in his cause as a former player. And, but also, uh, I mean, I, he, he came into the Scarlet's just after I left. So um, there's my head for change. Jersey. Head for change Jersey. And that's a cycling Jersey. Do you fit into it? <laughs> I, tried, I got a triple X. I was hoping to do some posts on social media. Yeah, yeah. It's like a medium on me. So I, I can't even zip the dang thing up. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, but you're, a, you're a big guy. I mean, for the people that may not have come across you before, what, what are your stats in height? And... Well, I, I played at 6'4, 245 pounds. Yeah. I'm not really good on the metric equivalent. But no. No. I've uh I don't have to stay as fit now so I probably have 15 20 more pounds. pounds not not too bad I just I don't run as much as I used to no no not good for the knees not good for the knees yeah. Roger. um <laughs> so um getting getting back to the Gilgronies which is yeah. what you're part of um you know and uh, how are they traveling this year I mean are you finding that the uh the standards lifted um you know is it How's it doing? Yeah, I think the the league overall has improved and we're in year five. So I think most people watch the game and find that it's a pretty enjoyable standard of rugby to watch. Um, yeah, we're certainly not there with the top competitions around the world yet, but no. there are good players here um, who are training full time and there's some really good coaches here. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, it's, it's a challenge, it's a challenging one for me as an American as well, because it certainly has improved the standard, but we also want to develop American coaches. So, um, yeah, you know, for us, um, we have Sam Harris and Mark Gerard and Jamie McIntosh as our, um, coaches and, you know, the, um, we have those two Australians and, um, Mark Gerard and Sam Harris and, and Mark played uh, for Australia. Jamie McIntosh played for the All Blacks. Uh, and Isaac Ross is a player coach for us who played for the All Blacks as well. Yeah. Um, and But we also have on staff Brendan O'Meara, who's a uh, college coach who I worked with at USA Rugby, came in and coached our – was an assistant coach with our U-20s. So I think he's had a, a great – 
baptism by fire this year of working with some coaches that have experience around the world and international rugby as well and professional rugby um, in Japan. So uh, it's as much as I want to have more American coaches, like these guys are um, salt of the earth and they've welcomed Brendan in. And I think, you know, we, we've just are in the process of developing, he's, he's already been a good coach in the college system, but he's going to go on to, to good things because of the how he's being challenged yeah. to coach at the MR level. And that's, and that's, um, that can only be good for American rugby in the long term. The other thing that I think would most likely help American rugby quite substantially would be for world rugby to uh, allocate the rugby world cup to, to America. Um, uh, you might include Canada in that as well. I'm not sure if that's the plan, but, but it would certainly, it would certainly lift the profile of the game. And, and as we've seen in the past, when, when they had the football world cup there, I mean, it, you know, it, it's a huge deal. Yeah. I think it is a huge deal and I'm, I'm glad to see that the strategies changed to, because there was talk of 27 or 31 for the men's team yeah. uh, world cup. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's a right strategy to go for 31 just because we really need that runway to develop the game and yeah. to get to the point where ideally we come close to what Japan did in terms of the fan base they created within the country for rugby. And so 27, I think, would have been pushing it um, too, yeah, yeah. too much to really expect full stadiums and a country behind the sport and the team. Mm. But now we have the opportunity to, with the longer runway to do that. And, and the women's aside, it would be two years after now because they're going for 33. And I believe that you've uh, even got a, uh, a degree of support from the Congress. Uh, is that right? Yes. Yes. There was a um, proclamation uh, in terms of, I mean, I, like it's going to be up to uh, the rugby community to do yeah, it. Sure. That's, yeah. I think that was a little, little bit of a political gesture for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's not a ton of government. There's very, there's certain ways you can do it, but overall, Sport in America is mostly privately funded. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if you've got people in the government who are going to get behind it, that's going to be a good message to send to world rugby, I would have thought. Yeah, certainly that that's an, it's in, I don't, I don't want to minimize, minimize that it's not an important part, but I'm just, I think the, yeah. the message is that we're going to have to roll up our sleeves and get it done yeah. while, while they cheer us on. And let's face it, it's not as though um, the United States doesn't isn't used to hosting mega events, <laughs> not only internal sport mega events, but also the Olympics and uh, the Winter Olympics and like some. I and they've got a huge amount of uh, experience at, at that stuff at delivering really good tournaments. Yes, um, you know that's. I, I guess the the positive side of that is there's no. There won't be challenges with infrastructure from people um, coming to the U.S. and all the hospitality that they need within a city, um, and 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 in, a, in stadiums that can really cater to all the fans and all the the partners and um, sure. 
sponsors and broadcasters and the, that that stuff will all be pretty turnkey when they come. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you don't have to go around and build a whole lot of thing, new things I wouldn't expect. And, uh, you know, I, you know, it would be just, uh, I think it would be great. You know, there's been to Japan and we've seen what it's done for Japanese rugby. Uh, I've spoken to at length with Robbie Deans about the situation up in Japan and, and if that could be replicated, it would be, yeah, uh, it would be terrific, actually. And I mean, w- understand that Japan hasn't got something like American football on their doorstep, but they are very big on soccer uh, up there in Japan. So you know, they do have their competition. Um, but I, one one of the great things about rugby, and you know this just as well as I do, is that it is an authentic international sport, which gives which gives um, people that play it or be involved with it, an opportunity to go anywhere in the world and find your local rugby club, go into the bar and you're amongst mates immediately. Um, and there aren't very many sports that you can do that with. Yeah, for sure. And um, from, you know, it certainly took me a little bit in a different regard. I've been around the world playing the game and coaching the game and, and being an administrator for the game. So um but certainly, if you want to roll up into a club in, in most parts of the world, you can probably find a rugby club. And uh, they're generally pretty welcoming. And most people will let you sleep on their couch for the <laughs> undetermined period of time while you're visiting the country and playing a little rugby. And, um, yeah, so I, I certainly I, – I experienced that um, when I graduated from college and went down to Hamilton and – New Zealand there and um, had to, had to return because of a, a family death, but I was there for a couple of weeks and um, my college coach's cousins opened their doors to me and I was going to stay there on, you know, and, and they opened a room and I was going to stay there for the whole season. Yeah. So that's kind of what rugby is. Yeah, it is. And, um, and long, long may that continue. Um, even though the game has got its issues at the moment, but then every sport does have issues and it's a matter of working their way through it. Um, so if, you, if I was to ask you um, about your prognosis for American rugby, what would you say? Hmm. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm personally, I'm the eternal optimist and always hopeful but that's not always the best strategy to have hope um but i do believe that there's a number of factors coming together that will help the game improve in the country and and certainly uh it's going to take some time because it doesn't happen overnight but uh with the fifth year of of mlr and all of all of the mlr franchises venturing into their community and developing youth programs right the way through, it will um, start to create high school teams, which is an important part of our American sports landscape to have varsity high school sports. Yeah. Right now there's a bit of a mix of single school high schools and clubs. Um, There's some sports in the U S like basketball and baseball and, and even soccer that, exist in that club system uh, but there's still with baseball basketball and foot american football like those sports are very strong i mean there's others like wrestling and 
things like that. But those three are very strong in terms of the varsity model yeah. and, and the Amer- Americana of, of our sporting landscape. So it, it's, it's important that that, that development that the, the MOR teams will doing because the, the national governing body doesn't have the bandwidth or the resources to get after that at the moment. So no, no. That, that's important. And that will create a strong college game. Um, and the college and university sports in the U.S., obviously, it's a billion-dollar business through the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you believe that's a good you know, way to do it or not, like it's real business. Yeah. So um that that's an important part of the development and then um also that that takes us into um players available that are better for mlr teams and domestically based so right now we have 10 players per mlr squad that you're sorry 10 players in the 23 that can be overseas right canadians don't count as overseas so Mm -hmm. americans and canadians can go back and forth in terms of um, the Toronto franchise or us um, in turn, it, it doesn't count against you, but um, obviously as an American, I'd, I'd like to see that slowly come down. But at the moment with the amount of teams we have to keep the quality up, it's probably the right number. Yeah. Okay. So I've actually been talking with NCR, uh, Jeremy Treese, national yep. collegiate rugby and they're doing some really good stuff um they're they're a growing organization they got some of the um ivy league colleges now i think that are that are part of it and i'll and i'm going to be doing a podcast with him very shortly so it'll be very interesting to get his view on how how they you know mesh into the overall scheme of things when it comes to um you know developing rugby in america David, it's been an absolutely all I do call you Hodjo these days. Um, <laughs> everybody needs an Australian nickname. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. Uh, we don't do that as often as we should these days. Um, but thank you very much for joining me on, on the Moffcast. And um, if anybody is uh, uh, watching this uh, and you'd like to... Um, subscribe to the Moffcast channel on YouTube, please do so more that I can get the message out that I'm trying to. And, 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 and it's absolutely one of my main aims is to, to try and talk to as many people about American rugby, Japanese rugby, and there's and not so much the main street rugby unions, you know, it's where the game has got a chance to grow. Yeah. And we certainly appreciate you doing that and it's great to reconnect after well i guess we our um initial paths were when i was playing and you were the ceo <laughs> of welsh rugby yeah <laughs> in the early 2000s and then when you came over and uh, helped advise dan lyle and myself um when we were trying to help out usa rugby around 2005 i guess yes it was i remember that vividly Good luck, mate, for the rest of the season, and we'll catch up again soon. All right. Thanks, Moff.